0: Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hey, church. I'm so glad you're here. We're thankful that you chose to spend your time on a Sunday here at Pinewood when there's a lot of places you could be on a Sunday. Uh, We want you to know we're praying for you, we're with you, uh, and we appreciate you bearing with us in this time It's Pinewood's first pandemic. So uh, thanks for working through it with us because we're all trying to figure it out. Going to in-person gatherings to talking to really intimidating black pieces of glass. So uh, thanks, we appreciate you being here. So I wanna start with a story. My siblings and I used to fight a lot when we were younger. No different than most siblings, but we fought a lot. Uh, Mostly because I was so destructively good at Mario Kart. I would destroy my siblings in Mario Kart and Super Smash Brothers. So much so that we would fight and break pull cues, fashion ninja stars, and fight physically. And I remember this phrase that my dad always said, whether we were fighting about something stupid or silly or something really significant, he would ask the question, why can't you just get along? And I'm sure most families were the same. You got that question too. And looking back, I wonder too. I wonder why we wasted so much time fighting about meaningless stuff when we could have been spending time pouring into one another and growing together. We fought all the time. Days worth of bitter resentment and fights and silent treatment and all of those things that were deemed common amongst siblings. Have you ever wondered why more people don't come to church? I do. I looked into some research from the Barna Group, one of the largest Christian research groups on the planet, and they found that some of the reasons that people don't come to church or they really asked, what would make you want to come to church more? And there were three things. They said if Christians were more humble and aware of their shortcomings, if Christians were to get along and to work together, and then if Christians had a better reputation. Today we're going to talk about unity. Unity inside and outside the church. But specifically we're going to be in Ephesians 4 and what Paul says about unity. And before I begin I want to make clear, unity is not uniformity, conformity, similarity. It has nothing to do with nationality or polity or even religiosity. My hope is that at the end of this message, you'll have a better and clearer understanding of what Christ meant for unity in the church. Let's go to Ephesians 4 and see what it says. We're going to start in chapter 4, verse 1. And Paul says this as he's in prison, writing to the Ephesians. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. I'm going to pray real quick. Father, we love you. Have your way. Uh, Speak through me. And bless those, paint a better picture of your church for the people watching, Lord. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. So Jesus and other great teachers of the New Testament knew that this was going to be an issue. They talk about it a whole lot in the New Testament. In fact, the last prayer and the longest prayer that Jesus ever prayed was in John 17. It's called the Priestly Prayer. And he says this. He says, I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. He says, I hope that they have complete unity in you and me and then the world will know. Jesus, Jesus knew that if we got along, then the world will know. Unity is the vehicle by which the world will know that God sent Jesus. Love is the make and model of that vehicle. And it's important to note that God's kingdom is going to come. Jesus is going to come back. But for the world to know, it's going to take radical unity. He knew that. The plan, God's plan is simple. He wants us to be so in love with each other that people look at us and go, Man, I got to know i got to know that guy they call Jesus. And we make it so complicated. We overanalyze it, we over-systematize it, we over-architect it, when really there is no force more powerful than the church of Jesus Christ. But it's not going to get that way unless we work together and we're united. So, a few things I'm going to call out. The title of today's message is called Why can't we just get along? And we're going to go through Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, and we're going to talk about the things that Paul calls out and why we are not united. Then the first is complexity. We over-systematize and make it way more complicated than it needs to be. In verse 6, he says, One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all. He made it simple, man. And complexity is attractive. It's it's, it's attractive, and we think that profound things are complicated, when really what makes something profound is how simple it is. And the gospel is very simple. I think about in Mark 7 when the Pharisees overcomplicate things, and Jesus calls them out. Disciples are eating. They don't wash their hands. I know that's a sensitive subject right now. Let's get past that for a moment. They don't wash their hands. And the Pharisees look to Jesus and they say, why aren't your disciples washing their hands? And Jesus replies with this. He says, these people honor me with their words, talking about the Pharisees, while their hearts run far from me. Their worship is nothing more than a charade. For they continue to insist that their man-made traditions are equal to God's instructions. Your man-made traditions. What man-made traditions are you manufacturing that prevent people from getting to know God? We overcomplicate it. It's so funny. When I think about how simple it is, it's almost almost like daunting because God describes it in a really simple way so much so that we should be able to describe it simply to other people. And I know I've made it more complicated than it needs to be. And I've been in situations where the church makes it more complicated. Where maybe we do things that prevents people from feeling like they can just walk up and ask questions. And it feels so daunting. It feels so theologically and spiritually daunting. Like they have to get their stuff together before they can actually come in and meet this Jesus guy. And that's not it. And so ask yourself, what man-made traditions are keeping you and others, from knowing Jesus. Verse 2 talks about being completely humble and gentle. And the second thing that I think keeps us from unity and getting along is conceit. It's thinking about ourselves. Going back for a second and talking about oneness and thinking about the other, I chose to come and give this message to you in a grove of aspens. There's hundreds around me. And some people may not know this, but aspens are actually one tree. They're kind of a paradox. They're singular trees, but they're also one organism. A grove or a clone share a root system. They support each other, and they pour into each other, and when one is hurting, they pour into that tree and make sure it's okay. They all grow in similar structures, and they all grow towards the same goal. But there's not one single one that tries to take control or out show the other ones they all grow together and they support each other and to me that is the perfect picture of the body it would be weird super weird if we're the body if we're pieces of the body and we make it about us it's the structural equivalent of you being like a foot that's just hanging out on the sidewalk and it's super creepy and weird imagine if an Aspen tree was trying to cut down others or trying to grow faster than the other person Don't you think the aspen trees would be like, hey man, where are you going? Like we're all going to the same place. It doesn't make any sense. The second reason we cannot get along is being conceited. I love what C.S. Lewis says about humility. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. It's thinking about the other person. I think over and over again I have to tell myself that it's just not about me. We want credit, we want allure, we want prestige, we want honor, we want to be noticed and we want it to be about us, but it's not about us. It's about everyone else. It's so much about everybody else that our only goal is to just make sure that they know this guy, this Lord, this King we call Jesus. And when we make it about ourselves, it is impossible to do that. What keeps us from Oneness and being unified is conceitment. The third comes from verse 2b Be patient, bearing with one another in love. The third is contention, it's resentment, it's not being loving. The Passion Translation says it like this Always demonstrate re- gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially towards those who m- may try your patience. Resentment, contention, being offended. It's all default operating procedure for most humans. There's offenses everywhere. The gospel is offensive. I could be offended by everything right now. It's it's so easy. But being offended is an option. It is a choice. How you respond to offenses is your choice. You can hold that resentment in. You can forgive that person or you can confront them in love. But oftentimes I see that we don't do that. How often do we gossip in our heart about that person? We talk ill about them to ourselves. We say it's because they're so evil and they're so jacked up. Or we say that exact thing to another person and not to that person's face. If we truly love that person, we would forgive them or we would try to build them up and make them better. Jesus was really clear about this. He says in John 13, love one another just as I have loved you, love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I love when teachers repeat themselves. Everywhere in the Bible is important, but when they repeat themselves, man, it's extra important. It's like they knew we'd forget and they needed to hear it over and over again. I know that they wouldn't say it in a condescending or patronizing way, but it's like if Jesus is like, dude, just 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 love one another. Just love one another. Why is it so hard? By this, all men will know you're my disciples. Galatians 5.14 says, For the entire law can be fulfilled in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. 1 Peter 4, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. I love how James describes it in chapters 3 and 4. He says, if you can't get along with God, you cannot get along with other believers. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? If we can't get along with somebody else, it's rarely because of them, it's because of us. That hits hard. I want it so badly to be about them. I want to feel justified and validated, vindicated in my resentment towards others, but that's just not how it works. Any anger that I have, any wrath or malice, resentment, contention in my heart is due to me. And it's due to me distancing from God. Love looks like doing what's best for the other person and sometimes that's forgiveness. Sometimes that's confronting them and pouring into them. But unity certainly doesn't look like holding that resentment in. Next in verse 3 it says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The fourth thing that keeps us from unity keeps us from getting along is complacency, it's laziness. The Passion Translation says this, Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you and the bonds of peace. Have you ever retreated, said, I'm done, I'm over it, I'm tired of trying, I can't do this anymore? I've been there, man. I've given up on trying to build that relationship, have that hard conversation, and every time the enemy's used it against me, See, the enemy uses our laziness. He focuses his attention on where we don't put our attention. And sometimes we just say it's too hard. It's too hard to love that person. It's too hard to continuously do this. See, it's make every effort is, is a past, or Sorry, present participle. It means I'm going to do it right now, and I'm going to do it continuously. I'm going to do it always. Other translations say Endure. It's to have resilience and to continue doing it and to always work at it because the things that we do not continuously work on, He will use against us. We should constantly and continuously work to better each other and be more unified. It looks like unrelenting endurance. Verse 3 also says this, it says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The fifth thing that keeps us and the final thing that keeps us from unity and getting along is competition. I call it the gamification of the saints. I'm going to be real with y'all. I've done this. I've gamified my spirituality. We can compete spiritually. It's not bad to look up to other people who are farther along and maybe more mature in their walk. But man, how many times have I looked at somebody who has a better prayer life, a better Bible reading life, who's in the Word more, who maybe fasts for more things, and I say, ah, oh, I'm gonna do that, but I'm gonna do it better, I'm gonna do more. And it's not for God, it's not for sake of knowing Him more, it's for my personal glory so that I can beat my chest. They say, I'm fasting from this, and I say, well, I'm just gonna fast from this and, and this other thing. oh it doesn't make any sense what a strange thing to compete in our spirituality or we compare we do it the other way we say we compare our sin to somebody else's we say well at least my sin isn't like that person it's so strange it's so strange that we would say that our sins aren't equal and that I could be worse I know why I've done this I know I'm far from God or I'm not deep in relationship with him and I'll look to other people and I'll go, well, at least at least I'm not as bad as them and it for a moment makes me feel better. But that's not how it's supposed to work. That's divisive. And it's disgusting. I'm just being real with y'all. It's happened. We compare and we compete. When what Jesus, what Jesus did was he he wanted us to collaborate. He wanted us to be like the ultimate remix of each other. He wanted us if it, to compete in anything. He wanted to, to 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 compete in showing honor. What Paul says in Romans, he says, "Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor." That's the only thing we're competing in. Like we hear, run the race, endure. Compete with one another towards a goal. But the only thing we should compete in really is like loving each other and like commending each other, building each other up, outdo one another and showing honor. Think about your favorite things. I can name a few of mine. I love Cronuts. It's a croissant and a donut, it's a remix and it's amazing. Two things mixed together in perfect harmony. Or if you've heard the song Walk This Way by Aerosmith and Run DMC. Or the song Cruise by Nelly in Florida Georgia Line. See, it's oftentimes the things that we do not think belong together that make the best things. And that's no different than the body. Think about the person that you would never ever collaborate with. And that's probably the person that God wants you to right now. That you would never think to. It's never who you think. Just look at Acts. Take a look at Peter and John. Peter, savage, dude was insane. Like the cursing disciple, dude was like so aggressive, carried around a switchblade. When he, knew, when he heard that Jesus was in trouble, he'd be like, I'm gonna cut off ears for you, Jesus. Like so intense, so extra. And John, dude was younger, way, way younger. And all I wanted to do was just snuggle with Jesus. Soft heart. But they perform together the first miracle that we see in Acts. They're the first remix, man. So I want you to think. I want you to think about what collaboration looks like amongst the body. We get so divided by things like political parties or the people that we look up to like celebrities or our money or things that we do for money our careers The media that we watch, I'll encourage you in all of this. We cannot be united in our own effort, too. This isn't about behavior modification. And I want to close with this Behavior modification is us just saying, I'm just not going to be conceited. I'm not going to compete. I'm not going to get lazy and all that. But that's hard. We don't have it in our own strength to do that. We're human. But I can tell you the one thing I, I know for sure. And it says it in verse seven, it says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And if we ponder that, if we dwell on that, it makes it abundantly more easy to do all of those things. When I think about Jesus, when I think about what he's done, and I think about who he is, the ways of his life, the things he wants for my life, it makes all of those things that divide me from my brothers and sisters so silly, so stupid. When I think about Him and His undying love for us, it makes it really, really simple. When I think about Him, I think about others, and I just want them to know Him. When I think about Him, resentment and contention kind of leave me. When I think about Him, I don't want to be lazy. I want to work hard for Him. When I think about Him, I don't want to compete. I want to work with my brothers and sisters. And so I would encourage you to do just that. Dwell on Him. Going back to what unity is and is not. Unity is not about conformity, uniformity, similarity, about your political party, your religiosity, your nationality. It's about sovereignty. See, we live in a world that wants the utopian nature of the kingdom of God But they want it without the king. And when I think about the king, it makes it really, really simple. It makes me want to build up that kingdom in a different way. When I think about Jesus and I turn my face towards him, it makes all of these things so clear. And so really, when you're not doing these things, it kind of means that we're far from Jesus. I know that kind of, it seems so strange. And maybe like I'm calling out, I'm speaking to myself. All of these things I struggle with. Even this past week, it was because I was far from Him. When I dwell with Him and I think about Him and what He wants, it makes it really, really clear. Paul later, in verse or chapter five, talks about the signs of the Spirit, signs that you're living in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, and you're in unity with one another. And he talks about four things. He talks about singing praises with one another. Two. To God. Talks about three, showing gratefulness and gratitude. And four, elevating other people. And those are really four things that I want you to take away from today. Sing songs. Music changes everything, especially music towards God. Better yet, sing with others. Man, it's really, really hard to fall victim to all of those things that divide us when we're singing praises to Him. Number three, showing gratitude. Gratitude is biologically proven to change you. Be grateful for what he's given you. And fourth and last, elevate other people. Don't make it about you. It feels good to have the applause of man. I won't shy away from saying that. It feels good to get recognition and to be honored and to get credit. But I can tell you with all of the experience that I have, that it feels way better to elevate others. To lift them up. Because you might be the only one in their life to do that. And I would encourage you to find somebody today to do that with. I want to sing with you. I want to worship with you. I want to show you that I'm grateful for you. And I want to build you up. And that's what unity looks like. i want to pray. Father, we thank you for the moments we share. We thank you that you unite us and only you can unite us Lord that when we dwell on your presence when we dwell on what you've done for us everything becomes radically more clear Lord I pray for our body I pray for our church and all the church the capital C church I pray that we find unity and seek unity over everything else that we pour into one another that we love one another so radically that the world cannot ignore what you are doing right here, right now. In all these things, we pray in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.